Consider the following, and some of the results you will hardly believe. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Teacher Turn Alchemist podcast. I'm your host, Lydia. Okay, nope. I thought I would try that out. I'm not digging it. I'm Lydia. Hi. And I'm really pumped that you took the time to join me today. This podcast is a record of my journey from a special education teacher to kombucha taproom owner, which also will be a training place and provide employment to adults with disabilities. This business is called Living Simple, Living Full Kombucha, where our motto is simply made full of opportunities. And you can visit us at livingsimplelivingfull.com. I am pretty dang proud as I am getting this week's episode out in a more timely fashion. Like I have mentioned in a previous episode, I've been enjoying the summertime and lake season where I'm from in Wisconsin. And I hadn't been putting out weekly episodes, but here I am. Thank you to those who are writing in wanting more episodes and definitely keeping me accountable. Today, I am sipping on a new flavor that I am super jazzed about. I had an old coworker from the school that I used to work at give me her juicer. Seriously, such a sweet gesture. Thank you, Jen. I've always wanted a juicer, but have never saved up and bought one. So I ventured to a nearby farmer's market down the road from me, and I saw a beautiful bunch of beets, and I thought, ooh, I would love to play around with this flavor. So I bought a bunch of those and juiced them in the juicer and I combined it with some lemon zest and voila, beet lemon kombucha. It is so yummy. Of course, I enjoy beets as is. It does have an earthier taste, but with that lemon zest in it, it adds a little zing and the carbonation from the fermentation process gives it a more refreshing note that I have really enjoyed. I also paired the beets with blueberries and I'm playing around with that and will let you know what I think of that as I tweak it. I'm trying to narrow down on my focus for flavors that I'm going to offer and really I'm trying to have flavors that have ingredients that can be locally sourced in my area. So beets falls into that category. If you're a fellow brewer and have used beets, I would love to know your flavor combinations. Of course, the only downside is (laughs) beets is like how staining they can be and it looks like I just had blood all over my hands throughout the day, but for the sake of flavor, I will do it again and again. Before I jump into this week's episode, I wanted to do a little corrections corner. One of my favorite podcasts that I listen to called My Favorite Murder, <laughs> that, okay, that gives you an idea into my other interests, not the murder part, the, the crime stories. <laughs> Anyways, uh, any info that they found to be incorrect or something they said that they wanted to clarify, they make sure to say that in the next week's episode to let everyone know and well, you know, knowing myself and really because I'm human, I know that I'm going to make a lot of mistakes or learn something new that I want to correct and by creating a short segment on the podcast to correct some stuff sounds pretty great. So to not plagiarize the corrections corner piece, I'm going to call this my edit segment. Although I'd love to come up with a more clever name for this that aligns with the brand. So if you have any suggestions, please send my way. But in last week's episode where I focused on what I have learned surrounding the language in which I use regarding the disabled community, I had apologized for stating that I was frustrated after hearing how people with disabilities are treated. And when I listened back to it, I was like, why in the world is it a bad thing to be frustrated with something that's not right and it needs to be fixed? So frustration to me is a sign of awareness and awareness when channeled can bring about change. So I am taking back my apology on that and I'm going to use my frustration to continue to advocate and help promote change and rights for the disabled community. Additionally, (laughs) okay, I wasn't going to say this, but what the heck, I listened back and realized that I had said the exact same sentence twice. 
I'm not even going to tell you where it was, but it honestly made me laugh more um, than made me more horrified as this experience just solidifies that I'm not going to get it all right the first go around, even if I did take the time to edit it and I still missed it, but oh well, oh boy. I feel this is a great transition to jump into today's main topic, which is how my personality type is trying to destroy me on this entrepreneur journey. Okay, I made that sound a lot more dramatic on purpose, but I would like to spend some time discussing personality type assessments and then chat about how by taking these assessments, I myself have gained more insights into my own personal strengths and weaknesses and how by acknowledging those, I can use what I have learned to empower me for this business journey. I also feel like this topic really applies to everyone, whether you're an entrepreneur or not. You are unique and no one on the face of this earth is like you. Knowing your personality type and understanding more about yourself is such a benefit to not only you, but to those around you. And I truly believe you can use these assessments to understand and continue to become the best version of yourself that you can be. And yes, for me, not destroy this venture that I'm on by putting into practice that's some knowledge that I have learned. So with open minds, let's jump in. I just recently over the last year or so have spent more time on exploring my personality profile. And there are so many different types of personality tests that you can take. Uh, Many online are for free, but the ones that I have found to be most true as well as the most thorough is the Enneagram test as well as the Myers-Briggs test. And these tests go into depth on how I may perceive myself, how I perceive others, and the world around me based on a lot of different factors. So in order, I'm going to first share information about these assessments as well as where I found them. And then I'm going to share my own personality type Follow, lastly, how I feel these personality types can either hurt or help me in this business venture that I'm on. Boom, going back to my chunking again. Hello, teacher friends. Yes, okay. So the first chunk, the different types of tests. I took the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator Assessment back when I was in college working in our college career center. That was a dope job, by the way. I had a family member work there prior to me. Hi, Laura. (laughs) And she recommended me to work there. And what the center focused on was helping college students find internships, jobs on campus, as well as help align college students seeking a major discover what their interests and their strengths were by taking personality assessments. So the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator Assessment walks you through a series of multiple choice questions and then aligns you with a four-letter personality type that stems from four specific preferences, which basically I would spend my time administering this test and helping people identify what their personality types were and how that would align to potentially a career, which goodness, looking back, it's kind of funny because I got that job when I was a freshman in college, didn't really know anything about life at that point, but there's a lot of like seniors that would walk into the career center and be like, hey, I'm a senior in college and I don't think I want to do this anymore. So anyway, I would help administer that assessment and try to help them narrow in on what they want to do next. So anyways, going back to those preferences, Myers-Briggs has four main preference categories in which they use a letter. And based off of your answers in the assessment, it lends to an overall personality type. I know that sounds a little confusing, but I thought I would share what each of these four preferences are to help you better understand what composes the different personalities. And then also so that you could understand a little bit more of my personality type later instead of me just spitting letters out to you and you don't know what they mean. So the first preference is coined favorite world, in which basically you just find out if you're an E for extrovert or an I for introvert. 
I feel most people somewhat have a sense as to what you are in that preference and understand the difference between extrovert and introvert. So I'm going to move on to the next one. The next preference is information, and the assessment will either give you a letter of S, meaning sensing, if you prefer to focus on basic information, or the letter N for intuition, which intuition doesn't start the letter N. I don't know why they did that, but the letter N is for intuition for if you tend to interpret and add meaning to information given to you. Okay, so moving on to the third, again, there's four of them. The third preference is how you interpret decisions. And so you would receive a personality type letter of T for thinking more logically or F for feeling and looking at people and circumstances prior to that decision making. And then that last preference, I know I'm just kind of rambling on, but if you want to slow me down, I know I talk a little fast, but that last preference is for how you view structure. And under structure, you would receive a letter for J if you are judging as you like to get things done right away or the letter P for perceiving and being more open-minded. Overall, there are 16 different personality types and under your personality type, Myers-Briggs breaks down how you perceive the world and how the world may perceive you back. So for example, you may receive a four-letter personality type of INTP which means going back to those preferences I just discussed that you are introverted, intuitive, thinking, and perceiving. If I were to look under how INTP personality types are perceived, I would find that this person is very logical in their thinking, intellectually curious, they're very observant, adaptable, and independent. I brought up that personality type because that is my husband Sean to a (laughs) T. The way his brain works and thinks through things blows my mind. Anyway, That's Myers-Briggs in a nutshell, and you can find ways to take this assessment over at myersbriggs.org. I believe you would have to pay for this assessment, although a lot of schools and workplaces have this offered to them in which you could take this for free if you're interested. So maybe if you want to check in with your workplace or school and see if they have that. Something very similar, though, to the Myers-Briggs, which is free that you could take right now online, is called the Jung typology test and I I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right it's j-u-n-g jung and that's found at humanmetrics.com I just typed in Myers-Briggs jung assessment on google and it popped up I had my students take this version and we had a really great discussion about our results it isn't as comprehensive as the Myers-Briggs test but it seemed to find my type well and also showed careers that aligned with that personality type, which was really helpful for my students as they were high school students at the time looking for careers in the future. So you should definitely check that out. So moving along to the Enneagram test. The Enneagram Institute was created in 1997 by the late Don Richard Rizzo and by Russ Hudson, and they created a tool to better understand ourselves and others around us. One of my best friends, Christine, she was begging me to take this test, and in particular, she was challenging me to get to know myself more personally. So we actually took a getaway weekend to brainstorm our business ideas and we took this assessment and boy, did it help. I feel like the Enneagram is so much more complex than any other personality assessment or book that I have read. It's a series of multiple choice questions, again, around 100 questions or so. And at the end, you're giving a report with your dominant type number. I'm going to try my best to explain clearly but there are nine personality types. And what I loved about this assessment is that the creators note that you will typically see some of each type in yourself, but overall, people have one dominant type that they go towards. 
Additionally, and I'm going to read this directly from their site because they put it so well, but the creators believe that much of the personality types stem from our early childhood years and quote, subsequently our inborn orientation largely determines the ways in which we learn to adapt in our early childhood environment. It also seems to lead to certain unconscious orientations towards a parental figure. Why this is so, we do not know, but in any case, by the time children are four or five years old, their consciousness has developed sufficiently to have a separate sense of self. Although their identity is still very fluid at this age, children begin to establish themselves and find ways of fitting into the world on their own. Thus, the overall orientation of our personality reflects the totality of all childhood factors, including genetics, that influence its development end quote. I knew that was a long quote, you guys, but at the same time, I feel like that was so important to basically share that a lot of the ways in which our personality is shaped is shaped because of our experiences from childhood, which totally makes sense and something that I will touch on a little bit later. When you're done with the assessment, you get a very large report. And what I appreciate about this report is that they share your dominant type, but they also share what your wing types are. What are wings? (laughs) I don't know why I just went to the Red Bull commercial there for a second in my mind, but wings on the Enneagram test are like briefly mentioned before how we may act in specific scenarios and it be another type outside of our dominant as the researchers put your wings complements or adds importance and even sometimes contradicts elements to your total personality. So your wing in a sense is kind of like your second side of your personality I'll volunteer as tribute and give a sneak peek into my next chunk, okay? I am a dominant type six, but on the report, it says, in stress, I show signs of an average three. And this report goes into detail of how I may perceive and act in a given stressful scenario. Your report shows you your type on what is known as the Enneagram circumference ring, and it points to the wings typically adjacent to your dominant type. Goodness, I feel like I did a lot of tedious explaining, but that is just scratching the surface on the research that goes into this and what your dominant personality type actually means to you personally. And again, I feel like they are extremely thorough. And so I hope that you take some time to kind of look into more of the research behind this test. I'm going to share with you the nine types on the Enneagram. And just by hearing the titles, it would be fun to guess what your type is if you've never taken this before. So just really quick, type one is called the reformer, type two helper, three, achiever, four, individualist, five, investigator, six, loyalist, seven, enthusiast, eight, challenger, or nine, peacemaker. This test does cost a little to take, by the way. It's $12, I believe. Yes, $12. But it is really straightforward and easy to understand. And again, gave such a comprehensive report that truly shined light on several things for me that I didn't really mind spending the money. You can go to the Enneagraminstitute.com to take their test there. If you take it, I'd love to hear your thoughts and see if you agree with what dominant personality type that you are. Next, I'm going to share with you all of my personal results from the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. And I'm going to share that all with you after a super fast break. I'm going to start with the Myers-Briggs test. And before I jump in fully, I don't want to spend too much time on this segment discussing my personality type because I know it's just strictly talking about me and I get it. Sometimes it's hard to relate, pay attention when really it doesn't impact you. 
but I bring out my personality type to A, be open for you so you get to know me and my strengths and where are some of my shortcomings, as well as B, I'm just interested to hear how maybe you and I are similar or how we are not similar. You know, it's really cool throughout this uh, podcasting journey so far. I've had a lot of you guys reach out to me and just kind of share who you are, where you're from, why you're listening. And I feel like just by sharing my personality type, uh, maybe we can connect in a different way. And so I'm really interested, perhaps, that you want to share what your personality type is. And um, yeah, we can go from there. It's a neat thing to know about someone. And moving forward with the podcast, you can kind of see what some of my viewpoints, triggers, things like that. Um, You can see my stance from that viewpoint. And then lastly, see, I want to use this as a lesson to myself because learning about myself and what could bring me up or down is monumental, especially if I am wanting to build this business. So it's all parts of the journey, right guys? Cool, sweet. Okay, so for those that know me, I do not think that it comes as a surprise, starting with the Myers-Briggs, that my first preference letter, remember going back to those letters, um, that I am E for extroverted. (laughs) I do think that I am learning over the years that I am an extroverted introvert. Okay, just hear me out. As I find a lot of energy from being around people, but afterwards I have hit a certain threshold of being around people, I need to withdraw and be my hermit self, wearing my hair up, no bra, reading a chill book on a Friday night. Yeah, anyone else feel me? But my full personality type out of the 16 Myers-Briggs personalities is ENFJ, which if you were to look up ENFJ personality types are people who um, are people people. They enjoy making friendships out of anyone, especially looking for those who may or may not have friends and enjoy finding what makes that person who they are and they sense how that person may be feeling. (laughs) Just seeing this one, but ENFJs still need time alone, however, to assimilate their thoughts. Boom, yes. Weaknesses include though, attention-seeking, self-sacrificing, and indecisive. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. I also feel like I just described a lot of teachers, and I'm not assuming every teacher is the same. I met a lot of introverted teachers that rock the house, but I feel like you just know when you're around a group of teachers, okay? A lot of ideas, trying to be trumped by the next person's ideas, but all the while respecting that person's idea by giving back a lot of verbal praise when sharing, like, hey, rock on, Dale, I love that bulletin board idea, really focused on SEL. You should see my class door that my students work together to create, or like, Corinne, are you going to the lunch and learn that I'm running today? I absolutely loved how you got your students out of their seats and so motivated. (laughs) I don't even know what Dale or Corinne, I'm sorry. Man, I'm in a mood. But this test really showed me some areas, especially as I reflected and thought back to me teaching. And I'm sorry I keep referring back to teaching. This is a teacher turned alchemist. This is, you know, the last decade of my life and where I found a lot of my personal identity. And, you know, although I was just like one of those teachers that I poke fun at, absolutely, all the while, I found out that I was pretty self-sacrificing, a little bit too much of myself. And this is where I feel like all teachers can resonate, right? You know, that heartbroken feeling when we witness one of our students going through something really tough. We're always trying to fix and mend where we can, and thus we self-sacrifice time, money, and mental space. So this Myers-Briggs test and assessment really helped me understand different parts of myself, especially as I look back on my career. Do you feel me, you guys? Anyway. If you were to look at relationships, which Myers-Briggs breaks down kind of how you would relate romantically to someone else according to your personality type. Remember I said my husband was INTP and I am ESFJ? They are complete opposites on that spectrum. 
So I guess opposites do attract. <laughs> Anywho, I'm going to move right along with the Enneagram. Love you, Sean. I love everything about your introverted self. Okay, um, moving along with the Enneagram. I am a type six, which is the loyalist. At first, when I took this test, I was actually shocked as I thought that I would be more of the type three, which is the achiever, or type two, which is the helper. But what I have come to realize is that the type six has many components within that although I thought I was a helper, for example, I actually was a steady six who appreciated to help people because of my loyalty and my achieving self was actually a stressed six. (laughs) Remember those wings I discussed a little bit? Overall, um, sixes are defined as reliable, hardworking, cautious, faithful, and affectionate to name a few. And in conflict, um, sixes can be pessimistic, defensive, worrisome, I said that wrong, worrisome, and blaming. As I reflect on my life, I'm 29 by the way, about to head into that new decade, but one thing really struck me about this report, and that leads me into my last chunk on this topic, which is how being aware of my personality type can affect me on this entrepreneur journey. One of the biggest desires for a type six stems out of the need for a stable, safe environment and be adequately prepared for the various difficulties that life presents. (laughs) Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm I'm just going to, I'm just, I'm so sorry, guys. I'm laughing in there. I'm just going to let that sit in. I'm an entrepreneur that needs to know what's coming up and how to be prepared. (laughs) Yeah, that's a total no-go. And as I spill some of this kombucha onto myself, my goodness, (laughs) looking more into this, I even found a blogger that said there are certain personality types that are just not good for being entrepreneurs, one of the top being type six. Hmm, okay. So one of the biggest shortcomings of a type six, or I would say an unhealthy six, as the report puts it, is self-sabotage and worry. In fact, sixes are said to live in a state of worry and then find something to worry about. I wouldn't say that I am a complete worrier, but what I do identify with is the self-sabotage thing, which then turns into worry because I can't move past this brain boulder, okay? So example A, Lydia's inner thoughts. You ready? You didn't brew today, Lydia, which means you can't write your podcast later because you're behind. If you can't nail down these flavor profiles, who's actually going to want to buy all this stuff? (laughs) Buy? You aren't even close to selling yet. Did you really just put that tank top into your Amazon cart? You won't have money for that since you aren't selling anything and you're just wasting the day away. And down the toilet, I continue with these strewn thoughts. Okay? These are, unfortunately, many thoughts that I face on the daily. And being a woman with hormones, and for me, even the weather, can drastically make this worse. Additionally, another shortcoming that I am learning right now the hard way, but at least I'm able to recognize when in an unhealthy six mode, is that I also try to make myself feel better by helping others, showing them that I am loyal to them by spending all of my energy doing something to maybe, just maybe, get that affirmation, whether in praise or body language, that basically I'm accepted by them. A prime example of this would definitely have to be evaluations that I received, you know, several times a year as a teacher going back to the classroom again. Goodness, I would spend hours upon unnecessary hours preparing for these evaluations. I would write pages upon pages upon pages and really it wasn't necessary and it risked my emotional, mental, and physical health because I just threw in all of my energy just so I could hear 
that I did a good job. And goodness, just even thinking back to it makes me feel sick. But again, this is just me realizing um, even now that I was at an unhealthy six. An unhealthy six is afraid that she's going to lose others if he or she does not give and have many anxious thoughts. I am switching between past and present tense a lot, I know, but I want you to know that I'm still dealing with these thoughts and the need to please people to bring me back to feeling good and normal again. Obviously, an unhealthy six is not a good place to be to start my business venture. And in the season of transition away from what seemed to be at times autopilot, you know, with teaching, coaching, kind of half vesting myself in relationships, I have tried to be extremely intentional right now with my thoughts and what real expectations I can start off for myself. I'm also realizing, as I mentioned before, that indeed my childhood experiences did in fact shape my adult mind and how I perceive people and things. Without getting too much into it because I'd be here for a whole nother episode, um, I had a parent walk out of my life and still refuses to talk to me even to this day. I'm just being real. Um, No, it's not my husband. (laughs) He wouldn't be my parent anyway. That sounds weird. We're all good on the home front. But, you know, one can imagine how someone as monumental as a parent figure leaving could shape my brain. And I began looking for acceptance from others, even, you know, as my adult 29-year-old self, and in turn, self-sabotage myself along the way. So how do I get back to being a healthy six? Well, for one, discussing and continuing to identify triggers in my life that would pull me away from negative thinking, that's big. I'm setting more obtainable goals for my business and I'm not getting down on myself as much if I am not able to get to every facet of my list each day because, well, life doesn't act like that. Additionally, I am investing into myself in the way I talk with myself. I was going to say inner dialogue, but your girl speaks out loud to herself a lot. And I am telling myself affirmations. I post them up on my wall so that when I'm tempted with a negative thought, I try my best to gently correct. I like the way the report states that a type six is at their best. They are self-confident, self-affirming, and they trust themselves. Their faith is their inner support and sense of guidance leads to a positive life-affirming attitude which manifests itself as outstanding courage and leadership and as a result can become powerful influencers for the greater good. Blam! Take that blogger, dude. I brew kombucha. Hear me roar. (laughs) Anyway, oh man, I think this journey, you guys, is really showing me how to treat myself better which will naturally help me to help others better. Ooh, and just because I'm in a mood... I could fill up your cup because I filled up mine of kombucha. Do you get it? Yeah, that did not work. Anyway, (laughs) that's all I have for today. And thank you so much for listening. Um, I'm going to leave you with a short feel-good teaching memory as this one is easily one of my top five teaching memories in history. It has nothing to do with my personality types or really tie into this week's topic. But on today, I am writing this actually my students first day back and I have gone back and forth all day feeling really happy and really sad I I miss them a lot and I'm also really proud and happy as I sit here moving forward but this memory always makes me smile and I hope it does for you too it was my first year teaching first year teaching will be a completely new podcast in itself bless all you first year teachers especially in this crazy time that we're in but I was teaching in a self-contained high school special ed classroom in Indiana which had nine students One of my students named Lemon, remember? (laughs) She was quite the character. I'm a pretty small person in general. I'm about 5'3". I'm pretty slender. And Miss Lemon is about 5'10 and quite big boned in size. 
Mm -hmm. And pieces of her hair were always flying out of her ponytail as she would just whip it back and forth She, as she smiled, talked to everybody around her. I do not know if I have ever met someone quite as jolly as Lemon. That word always comes to mind when I think of her. Lemon, without asking, would be my helper, especially for my students in the room who needed a lot more help. Of my nine students, four were nonverbal, but Lemon always could tell what they were trying to say and affirmed them and spoke with them and, and never down to them ever. She never missed a day of school and was always happy to be in class learning, always proudly walking into the room, being three octaves higher than everybody else, saying, hi, Miss B. <laughs> it's before I was married. Um, so one day after school in February, the days were darker, you know, the shorter days, it was cold. I uh, was pulled into the social works, uh, social worker's office after school's over, and she said that it was Lemon's last day and that her family had come in and removed her from school and they were moving to Florida. No warnings, no goodbyes. I don't even believe that Lemon knew where she was going. I was in complete shock, and she was such an integral part of the class. You know, how would I explain to the others where she went. Our groove was finally established at that point in the year and her family just whisked her away. I felt anger and sadness. I, I really felt it all. I never thought that I would see Lemon again. And it was close to May and uh, in, in the school year and it was coming to a close. And I had only about five minutes left of my lunch and I decided to take a walk around the school to wake me up a little to kind of finish out the day, you know what I mean? As I rounded the corner, there was the large main hallway of the school, which had the main office on the right-hand side. There was no one else walking out there but me. And I was way at the other end of this hallway when I saw the office door open and a girl walked out of the office looking around. I thought, dang, that looks just like Lemon. But again, this has now been months and they said they moved to Florida. But before I could really register or think anymore, she starts waving and yelling in only Lemon's voice, Miss B! all the way down. I was so taken aback with emotion. I literally just ran towards her, tears filling up my eyes. And when I got to her, she outstretched her arms and she picked me up and she spun me around. <laughs> I'm like crying laughing. Oh, Lemon. You amazing woman, Lemon. I love her. Oh, that memory along with so many others, especially from that first year. Goodness, you can like never have another first year, right? Oh, goodness, just all the memories of my student just continues to propel me forward in this business venture. And I know that they are proud and I am equally as proud of them. So thank you so much again for listening today. I would love to hear from you and welcome any feedback or messages over at livingsimplelivingfull at gmail.com. I'd also love for you to try a personality assessment, perhaps the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs, and I would absolutely welcome your results as well. I think it's so cool to hear what other people's results are. Lastly, if you have a few minutes and if you are willing, I would love a review on your favorite podcast platform. I'm looking to bulk up my ratings, you guys. But as always, thank you so much. Be well and cheers. Cheers.